Okay, so let me tell you a little bit more briefly about Polly Murray, who I only discovered a couple of years ago and who has become such a holy companion for me. It's a good way of thinking about saints, I think. Companions, the sort of people who hold your hand, not just spiritually. Sometimes for me it feels kind of physically when things are difficult. And the sort of people that you say thank you to when amazing things happen in your life because you've been walking with them for a while. They are dear friends who help me worship God better not because they're perfect, but because they're, they're human. So her dates are 1910 to 1985. She was an American civil rights activist, and she did all sorts of things that put her at grave risk. They were also a lawyer. They were a gender equality advocate. They were an author. He invented the phrase Jane Crow and some of you will be familiar with the idea of Jim Crow in America that has to do with the imprisonment and the continued oppression of black men. And Polly was like, well, wait a minute, this has to do with black women as well. And Polly got very, very frustrated about something even as powerful as the March on Washington in the 1960s. You know the Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. And it wasn't that Polly was against that, it's that they were concerned that no black woman had a platform to speak out clearly, singularly, as a black leader during that experience. And so there was room for critique and there was room for protest in that. And Polly was like, this isn't good enough. Polly is the holy person for me who continues in my mind and in my heart to say, well, this isn't good enough, in a way which is defiant and hopeful. I think a good way of thinking about Polly is that they were all about hope without optimism. And I think that that's maybe a good moment to explore for our own time. You can be hopeful and maybe not be so optimistic, and that's okay, and that can be holy ground. As you might be able to tell from my pronouns around Polly, it's interesting because biographically, it often, it, it, we, are, we are told that Polly was the first woman to do X, the first woman to do Y. And Polly himself did not really identify conventionally as a woman, but did not have the language and did not have the medical resources to be able to really deeply inhabit the experience that Polly was having. And there's so much correspondence where he talks about himself as he, they, she, something different. And so I think it's really important to be able to claim that, but to claim that in a way that Polly themselves, that Polly herself would have been able to claim it. So when Polly is talking about black women, she is talking about herself, but she is also talking about herself in terms of the they-ness, the he-ness, the non-binariness that we are just starting to have language for now. I have no idea what Polly's experience would be like in the 21st century, but Polly knows now. And that's one of the qualities of sainthood. And I want to tell you about St. Nino. Okay, get ready for this. Uh, St. Nino is known as equal to the apostles and enlightener. That's quite good. And it's quite good for someone that you have not heard of. So welcome. You are now in the St. Nino Club, if you wish to be. And St. Nino is a bigger deal in Georgia than St. George. And her tomb 
is a huge pilgrimage spot in Georgia, and people will lie down on her tomb. And they will, you know, they will embrace as much as you can an object like that, and they will kiss, and they will get near her tomb to get something of her holy energy. And the idea was that she didn't have a cross, so she improvised. She got two vine branches, and she cut off a chunk of her hair as a teenager, tied the vine branches together, and used it as a cross to walk into the border of Georgia. And when she crossed that border, she went and she found the royal family. And a high-ranking member of the royal family was blind. And she prayed with that blind person, and that blind person experienced sight again. And as a result, so the story goes, the whole of Georgia converted to Christianity because she was the enlightener. I think we can say a lot about the restoration of sight and some of that in terms of disability and the way that the church has abused its power is very complex. In this case, I think there is something about the story of blindness and enlightening, of coming towards something metaphorically as well as physically that we can all kind of hang on to and that that could be precious for us. And so I love St. Nino third, really, really, really long ago. And I love St. Nino too because when we were traveling around, we had all of these big, burly, um, macho truckers these big, and Georgia is a very, uh, is a country which is very sort of bound up in patriarchy. It was visible everywhere. And there were these big burly truckers who would drive us around and do stuff with us and be manly with us. And they all have a prayer card of St. Nino in their window of their truck. And all of them are saying, oh, St. Nino, protect us, be with us. Teenage girl who improvised because she had something to say and who crossed a border in a way which was really dangerous for her because she wanted to pray with people and be with people. And so finally, back to our relationship to the saints and us as sort of saintly in one way or another, which can feel like a hard thing to claim because we're also, of course, all sinners. And that can be a hard kind of phrase. It can be a hard word. And it needn't be. We're all people who do our best and make mistakes. And we're all people who need to look deeply into one another's eyes and to look deeply into the eyes of God and see the eyes of love and hope for that, even though it might take a long time to be able to look at someone deeply and ask for that or to receive that. And that's okay. But it's a hard road, and it's the road that Jesus asks us to walk. And so that's what that's all about. Very recently, and you may have seen this, the poet Ben Okri. So we started with Polly Murray's poem, and we're going to end with Ben Okri's poem. He wrote a poem in The Guardian just yesterday, and he calls it To Katya, age seven, in a bomb shelter in Kiev. So this is how I'm going to end. All around you, missiles are falling. Churches you once knew won't be there anymore. The streets you walked will be changed by blood and shelling and bombs, it seems the world's gone mad. As the earth shakes, not because of the rage of the gods, but that one man wants to win back a lost empire. You will think that your world is being shattered forever. It is. But out of the destruction, out of all this thunder, something new will come. Whatever happens, your land will know the courage of its soul, its people, 
and history will be rewritten not with the force of an autocrat, but by the steadfast hope and desire to be true to the beauty of your earth and all you have suffered. Katya, in your bomb shelter, we're with you. We're there in the shadows. We're there in the silence between the explosions. Amen.